Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This podcast contains adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence. It may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. From a young age, I just understood that my mom passed away when... I was a baby, and then my family members took me in. High school is when I learned more about what happened with her murder. India is 21 years old. She's studying education at a small college. Her social media accounts looked like they could belong to any wholesome girl her age. Big smiles, pictures of friends. You can see school events, soccer games, lots of basketball games, Christmas parties, beaches, family. She wants to be a teacher, either in health or psychology when she graduates. You would never know from the outside that India lost her mother at 18 months old in a violent and terrifying way. India's mom was Tamara Green. I'm Christy Strasser, and this is Who Killed Strawberry? Episode 8, The Lawsuit That Went Nowhere. I mean, did they tell you your mom was murdered? Or Yes, there were family discussions on what happened. Even when my siblings would ask questions, my cousins that are my siblings, yes. It was talked about that that happened. I just wonder what they told you about her. I mean, did they keep her mom alive for you? Stories about her, what kind of person she was? Yeah, I got a lot of, you kind of look like her, or they talk about how hospitable my mom was, and that's a quality that we share. I've been told that. And how does that make you feel? I mean, do you think about, like, making your mom proud? Um... Not necessarily, because when people describe it to me, she's like an outpouring of love kind of person, so I don't ever feel like I would disappoint her. India, her older brother and sister, and their fathers, were all represented in a $150 million lawsuit filed in 2008 against the city of Detroit and Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick by attorney Norm Yatuma. The suit did not try to hold Kilpatrick responsible for her murder. But it did claim 
that he and members of his staff had stifled her murder investigation to cover up the never-proven party at the Minugian mansion. After three years of litigation that generated basically nothing but a steady stream of headlines, the case was dismissed in 2011. This is a very long decision, 102 pages. Now, there have been countless hearings. There have been many, many depositions. But today, Judge Rosen, after months and months, said that there will be no trial. This is devastating to the family. They are shocked. There is a decision, and the decision is there is no case. India doesn't dwell on that case or what it would have meant to her family to win $150 million. I don't have a lot of information about the facts of the case, and I don't know. I don't think the family talks about a lot of that either, because it's an unsolved case, and there's only so much when we talk about it that we can do. So. And you were so young. So yeah. would you say, when you guys get together, you talk about your mom? You know, mostly not about the end, but about her as a person. Right, yeah. Life. we Definitely the conversations that I've been a part of are just of memories of when she was alive and... Uh, more good memories of when she was alive. While the family's lawsuit was ongoing, Mike Cox was running for Michigan governor. He had also headed up a state police investigation, and he had declared the Manugian party a, quote, urban legend. That made the case a political hot potato. There was also attorney Norm Yatuma himself, ready to stand in front of the cameras, handsome in a black suit with a thick mane of dark hair, always eager to turn a phrase. He's got something to hide, it would seem, something to hide that would justify him being willing to risk being held in contempt by the chief judge of the federal court. I'd like to know what he has to hide. The case got so wild that at one point, Yatuma filed a police report after an attorney representing Detroit warned that he, quote, could end up face down in an alley with a knife in his back if he moved forward with plans to depose Bernard Kilpatrick, the father of ex-mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. Yatuma asked for police protection. The city attorney ended up apologizing. He said that he hadn't meant it as a threat, just a warning that whoever the at-large killer is wouldn't take kindly to continue digging into the case. Yatuma continued after that to crusade against the city. And in a lot of ways, they made an easy target. For instance, the city of Detroit claimed it couldn't find Kwame Kilpatrick's computer after he was forced to resign in 2008. Not only couldn't they locate his computer... They couldn't surface any emails on the server from 2002 or early 2003, the time surrounding the alleged party and then when Tamara Green was killed. Attorney Norm Yatuma made it clear in local media reports at the time he didn't think that was accidental. In the words of their lawyer, they electronically shredded all of the emails of the mayor. Find me a lawyer who shreds his or her emails. It just it doesn't stand to reason. It's just too stupid. If you were reading this in a book or you watched it on the big screen, you'd think it was terrible writing. Still, U.S. District Judge Gerald Rosen 
ruled that Yatuma did not produce direct evidence to back up the accusations in his $150 million lawsuit. Rosen threw out the case before it could reach a trial. It seems unlikely it'll ever be established with any degree of certainty whether this rumored party or something like it actually ever took place. The witness accounts produced by plaintiffs lack specificity, rest to some extent, on inadmissible hearsay and contradict one another in various respects. On the other hand, it seems fairly well documented at this point that defendant Kilpatrick kept an active social calendar during his days of mayor of Detroit. Nonetheless, whether this particular party occurred at this particular locale at this particular time is likely to remain an unsolved mystery. Yatuma appealed Rosen's decision. He argued the city had destroyed so much potential evidence that the case should be automatically settled in his client's favor. Quote, every bit of evidence that has been accumulated on this Dammy Green case has been destroyed. End quote. That's what Norm Yatuma told the local radio station. He went on to say, quote, and this court dismisses this case, denying these kids their day in court? It's absolutely, positively outrageous. It's a sad, dark day in the legal system when bias prevails over justice. The appeal was dismissed in 2013. As for India, she has a few things that she keeps close to remember her mom. A soft, warm presence in her mind, and in the stories the family has used to keep her memories alive. I have a t-shirt from her funeral that has the family, me and my siblings. I think it's the last family portrait of us. And then I have some of the last toys that she bought me. They were stuffed animals, one doll and like two stuffed animals. I keep them one in sight and then some just in my closet. Are there any lessons that you took from your mom's life? I mean, anything that you do to follow in her footsteps or anything you do to not follow in her footsteps? Probably the biggest thing, and it's easy for me because I think I just got it from her, is just the way she loved everybody that she was around and took care of people. So I just do the same. It's kind of natural. Some of the things I've heard from various people are about, like, your mom spending money lavishly on people. Like, if you needed to go to the salon, your mom would take them. If they needed to have, you know, like, nails done, hairs done, you know, something for events, your mom would be a person who they could reach out to and she would help them. People at the time, I think in, like, 2003, 2004, people were telling that story. Yeah, those are the same type of stories that I've heard. She just loved everybody she met. And so it's such an interesting story for Someone have so much love for everybody around them and then to be murdered and there be a cold case. I definitely think justice should be served as any other case, but no, I don't feel unrest or uneasy. I couldn't help but wonder how she grew up in such a seemingly peaceful way without the intrusion of questions and theories about her mom's death. India didn't even know her mom had been murdered until she was in high school, and it had been the biggest story in Detroit for at least a decade. Do you ever think about how your life would have been different if your mom had been around when you were growing up? Even when you were a kid, did you think about that? Like, oh, I wish my mom was here. I think about how it could be different. That's about it, just that it would be different. 
While Tamara Green grew up the daughter of a single mother, India was adopted as a baby by her uncle, Tamara's brother. He's a surgeon, long married. He's never once talked to the media. But we know India was raised in a nuclear family in an upper middle class area with her cousins as siblings. They're all close. It's a picture perfect American family. But there's a murder at the heart of it. A loving mother, gone. That could have been when you were younger. If you were here, you would have heard about, you know, people would have asked you about your mom. Yeah, it also had to do with, like, my uncle lived when they took me in. You know, they had jobs and lived in different areas, so. You think your uncle is your dad? Yes. So he took good care of you, it sounds like. Yes. It's clear India is not an angry person. She doesn't have a vendetta. She isn't even trying to make sure someone is put behind bars for her mother's murder. She's not lying awake at night plotting revenge. Whoever did it, definitely. That is how justice will be served. Her mom's other daughter, Ashley, was interviewed by WXYZ in Detroit a couple of years ago. I hate that. My life's the way it is because of something they decided to do. How old were you when you lost your mom? I was seven. What would you say to your mother? I'd just say that I love her and that I miss her. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Al Bowman, the first homicide squad leader to handle the Tamara Green case, he says digging it back up after it went through so many lawsuits and so many hands, hands that got burned, it's not as easy as you may think. There was nothing wrong with the case. It was rock solid. I can only tell you what I've heard. Much of it was uh, missing. I think the attorney for the family, Norm Utuma, he mentioned it to me once. As a matter of fact, I think he had raised some money to uh, have some people do a private investigation on it. He had asked me would I be interested in coming on. This was after I retired to investigate it, and I told him, no, I would not. I think he had raised a couple million dollars or something. Why didn't you but want I, to reinvestigate it? Well, I was very angry when I left. I really didn't have a lot of respect for a lot of the people. You know, sometimes when a person may have certain regrets about something, I've always had the ability to help somebody. And in reflection, I kind of think back and say that uh, I didn't mind helping people. But sometimes I help the wrong people. So I didn't want to get wrapped up and tied up into this stuff again. Kwame himself was deposed in Yatuma's case. For seven hours, 
over two days. Kilpatrick was brought here from federal prison in an unmarked car with tinted windows. He'll be deposed today regarding the investigation into the death of dancer Tamara Green. She is said to have danced at a rumored but never proven party at the Manoogian Mansion. Green was killed several months later, and her family believes Kilpatrick and the city obstructed the investigation for political reasons. Today, Kilpatrick's attorney said once again there was no party and therefore there's no case. But obviously, Yatuma couldn't disagree more. Tommy's been through enough depositions that we're not expecting a Matlockian-like confession in 48 minutes after commercial breaks. We are expecting, however, that we have things to hold his feet to the fire. You know about it as well as I do. Whether he lies, cheats, steals, tells the truth, or pleads the fifth, he can't get away from the text messages. The text messages are like a bad penny. They just keep turning up. We have him irrespective of his answer. So he'll do with him what he wants to do with him. His lawyer and all the lawyers and every defense lawyer will forever suggest this is a fishing expedition. It's what defense lawyers do. It's what I do when I'm on the defendant's end of the ledger. This is no fishing expedition. He's answering all questions as it relates to the alleged party. But, you know, there's uh, a lot of questions that are being asked that are outside of that. And he's going to assert his privileges the same as any other citizen is. His deposition was recorded on video, but it remains sealed. That was years ago, so I made a new request to have the deposition unsealed, along with the depositions of Kwame's father, his wife Carlita, former Attorney General Mike Cox, and other key players in the case. I requested it for the sake of accurate contemporaneous recall. I wanted to know exactly what people had said under oath about Tamara Green's murder investigation and the never-proven Manudian party back when their memories were fresher. The request was denied. Here's what Judge Stephen Murphy wrote to me. The case is more than 15 years old, and the last court order was docketed almost 10 years ago. The parties to the lawsuit and the public have borne all the costs of litigating this case to conclusion, and there is no compelling reason to disturb the matter's final resolution. The court greatly appreciates your desire to have an accurate record of testimony for your podcast, but the interests detailed above counsel the court against granting the request. Even though the depositions remain sealed, WXYZ in Detroit got their hands on hundreds of pages of testimony from the Atuma lawsuit in 2012. They include contentious and foul exchanges between the lawyers, and even though former Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick took the fifth many times, he answered many times as well. I was thinking about protecting my wife, and I was protecting my children from embarrassment and protecting myself, said former Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick when asked about lying about his affair with then-Chief of Staff Christine Beatty. That was in the original whistleblower lawsuit, but asked in federal court in the case surrounding the drive-by shooting of dancer Tamara Green, filed by her children, and alleging the city obstructed the investigation into her death. That case was thrown out November 1st. As for the never-proven party at the Manoogian Mansion, where Green allegedly danced and then was assaulted by the mayor's wife, Carlita, Kilpatrick said, I believe that this purported rumor that you keep alive is as ridiculous now as it was then. 
Kilpatrick said he heard about the rumor in barber shops. He also said his wife, she did not know Tamara Green, she's never assaulted anyone. When questioned about the former federal monitor of the Detroit Police Department and his reported sexual encounter with her, he was asked, why did you get involved with Cheryl Robinson Wood on a personal level? Kilpatrick answered, because I was not right. I had a cheating spirit and I am paying very dearly for it. He said he had sex with her one time. Kilpatrick also testified that he believed that his sexual relationship with Robinson and his longtime relationship with Christine Beatty never resulted in inappropriate personnel decisions. Also, you may recall, it was Attorney General Mike Cox, after investigating the alleged party, who called it an urban legend. Kilpatrick was asked under oath if he ever threatened Cox with revealing the AG's extramarital affairs. Kilpatrick said he never threatened Cox about anything. Even though the case was thrown out of court, lawyer Norman Yatuma, who represents the family of Tamara Green, is appealing. There's still one person who's pivotal in the story of the never-proven party who has never addressed it in any way. That's Carlita, Kwame's former wife and the mother of his three oldest sons. She was never questioned by police, never answered any media questions about the never-proven party. But she was deposed about it in Yatuma's lawsuit. Her testimony, it also continues to be sealed. Publicly, Carlita has given only one interview to a radio show, and it was focused solely on her marriage. That interview came after Kwame was caught in the public eye having an affair with his chief of staff. Here's a snippet of her interview from WXYZ in Detroit. The lies. I knew that he knew that uh, we were meant for each other. And so I felt like that with that knowledge, there just didn't seem the need, um, even in the anger or the frustration or whatever, it didn't seem the need to then, you know, venture outside. Carlita made it clear she thought her marriage to the charismatic man she met as a student at Florida A&M would survive the scandals, the lies. But she didn't read the texts between Kwame and Christine Beatty, his chief of staff. Once I decided that I was staying, there was no need then to, you know, go through all of that. Why I put myself through that? During his time in Kilpatrick's protection unit, Harold Nelthrope was the house guy, the one who handled security inside the mansion where Kwame Kilpatrick's family lived. So he was the one who spent the most time with Carlita. He knew the family's rhythms, knew Kwame as both a husband at home and a mayor on the prowl. He also knew Carlita, a woman who stayed mostly on the sidelines of politics and government. She focused on raising her three sons. If you saw her in public, her nails were always manicured, her hair was perfectly in place. She was known for her flawless composure and for the never proven rumors that she had beaten exotic dancer Tamara Green, who was later murdered. 
Nelthrope talked to us about the Carlita he knew. She was a very nice lady, as far as I'm concerned. I would speak to her a lot. She would speak to me a lot. One day I saw her at a basketball game because my son played basketball and their kids played basketball. I saw her at one of the events and, and I said to her, I no longer uh, work at the mansion anymore. And she looked at me and said, what? What do you mean? I said, uh, they got rid of me. And she kind of, she made this face like, oh, you know. Did she ever ask you, like, anything personal? Like, you know, what do you think Kwame's really up to? Or, I mean, did she ever ask you to? No, no, she's, she's never done any of that. No. Did it make sense to you? Or were you surprised at the idea that she would attack a stripper? Well, what do you mean? Did it seem like totally impossible or did it seem like, you know, okay, this is something that probably happened? Well, I'll put it this way. <laughs> I think that's something possibly any woman would do. So like, I just, just can't put that on her like that. I mean, I could ask you the same question. Class is the word people use most often when they talk to me about Carlita Kilpatrick. That's easy to understand. Carlita stood tall and serene with her small sons by her side, looking polished and staying silent at her husband's mayoral swearing-in ceremony. She did the same thing at many other public events after that. I also want to say thank you to my wife, Carlita. I thought I was a big, tough football player, and I leaned up and I said, how are you? I'm Kwame Kilpatrick. And she said, leave me alone. I said, I'm Kwame Kilpatrick. I just want to talk to you for one second. And the teacher said, excuse me, Mr. Kilpatrick, stand up. He said, listen, she doesn't like you. And you can get your bad breath out of her face. She felt sorry for me after class. I invited her to a movie and the rest is history. Kwame's campaign consultant, Adolph Mondo, remembers her the same way. Composed. She had a lot of class. There's no question, you know, and I feel bad for her situation where she stood with him. you got to be strong to deal with this kind of BS that she had to deal with. And you think she, no no question, she didn't have any. She didn't, she didn't. Even if all that stuff was true, she wasn't hitting anybody. She wasn't fighting anybody. And then all these folks saying that the conspiracy of, you know, you had the police, you had the hospitals, you had all these people hiding stuff. Just not true. And there's yeah. no question. That the word on the street was that this young lady that got killed, who they call Strawberry, you know, all these folks with these uh, topless bars and stuff. They got a lot of stuff going on. Here's another take. One from Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Charlie Ladoff. I'll just say this. There's a thousand stories and 10,000 unanswered questions. I would never say categorically something happened that I, I just wasn't there. I mean, it's just beyond the pale because you've heard you know, chiefs of suburban police departments, the attorney general, all these tough guys are in a room watching a woman beat another woman half to death. 
It just doesn't pass the sniff test. I didn't say it didn't happen. I just find it hard to believe when your life is dedicated to stopping people from hurting each other that you would sit idly by and watch it. If it's true, that's the most craven thing I've ever heard of. But Mike Cox never told me he was there. No one else. Did Carlita, polished, beautiful, smiling Carlita, could she possibly have attacked an exotic dancer? I asked George Hunter, the Detroit News reporter, what would that take for the party to finally be proven? Is that a possibility? I mean, even separate from the Tamara Green murder investigation, do you think the never proven Manugian party will ever be proven? I mean, if someone were to come forward and spitball, and let's say somebody gets popped on another thing and they know something about it and they cut a deal, you know, and talk, maybe I, I proof. You never know if it indeed happened. I would think that a lot of the kind of powerful people there, many of whom are Machiavellian, I'm going to assume stuff, getting into that area, but, you know, I'm going to assume that you got a lot of powerful people who know how to navigate waters and pretty cynically know how to bend events. So maybe they gathered evidence at the time just in case, and they're sitting on it now. Why, again, why would you come out and say it? You know, let's say the feds are investigating you. You know, I'm Joe Johnson. I'm the mayor of Innieville, or I'm I'm a city councilman in, you know, Whiskeyville. Okay, let's say I have dirt on Kwame, and let's say I'm dirty and they pop me on something the feds do, and I say, you know what, let's cut a deal. Who knows? I mean, that's probably what it would take. I can't imagine that new evidence would come forward. And there were certainly allegations that the investigations that were done, including that by uh, the attorney general at the time, that the Michigan State Police alleged that they were stonewalled at every step of the way they took on that investigation. In fact, I talked to one of the guys who made that allegation. They had a long, long, long interview with that guy. You know, stuff that's speculation and stuff. And no one has ever put out that fire. At least, not really. In our next episode, what we know and what we can prove. As somebody who worked with him or knew him day to day, like what was smart somebody guy. Was like real smart, charismatic? Uh, uh, yeah, but he was selfish. He was always rescued. Growing up, his parents always took care of him. We got in trouble; they always got him out of it. And the first time he got smacked around, there he is. You know, people tried to tell him, settle with Gary Brown. That was the beginning. It was like dominoes. Who Killed Strawberry is a production of WWJ News Radio in Detroit. The podcast is produced by Zach Clark and written, hosted, and produced by me, Christy Strasser. Special thanks to Bill Smee for copy editing. Give us a rating and be sure to subscribe. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Anyone with information on the murder of Tamara Green should call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-SPEAK-UP. All tips are anonymous. All views, statements, and opinions made by people in this podcast are theirs alone. All individuals should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 